welcome to Geek Between the Lines, the podcast that explores compelling ideas and some of our favorite geeky properties. I'm Brittany. And I'm Chris. And this week we are continuing with our watch through of The Magicians. And we'll be talking about season one, episode seven, The Mayakovsky Circumstance. Chris, can you give us a recap of what happened? We open on a flock of geese as the transformed first-years fly to break Bill south in Antarctica to study with Professor Mayakovsky, a cranky, brazen Russian magician who challenges their magic and their outlooks. First requiring them to do magic silently, then to control the minds of insects, Mayakovsky critiques the group, targeting Quentin in particular. He chides Q and Alice to just get it over with and have sex, which eventually they do after a sensual transformation into foxes in the Antarctic cold. Mayakovsky also removes Penny's ward tattoo and trains him to face the dangers and use his traveling gifts. After Katie opens her mind to Penny, revealing her love for him and her contract with Marina, Penny steals a powerful artifact from Mayakovsky's office to help her buy herself out. However, Mayakovsky catches Katie with the artifact and tells her that her mother died and that Breakbills intends to punish her. He also explains how Penny's powers make training essential for him and convinces her to flee on her own, leaving only a note for Penny saying, forgive me. Meanwhile, Elliot and Margot prepare to travel to a magical bacchanal in Ibiza for their break, and they accidentally summon a djinn as a gift for the organizers of the party. Tensions between the two come to a head when Margot subconsciously orders the djinn to remove Elliot's new bow, Mike. His new bow? His new bow. Mm -hmm. And so Elliot chooses to stay behind. Julia's sister picks her up from the police station following the death of Katie's mother, and insists on helping Julia in recovery of what she thinks is drug addiction to avoid their mother finding out what happened. At the end of the episode, the first years take a portal back to Breakbill's main campus, but not before Mayakovsky tells Quentin Alice to use his critiques as fuel to prove him wrong and live a happy and successful life. Yeah, so let's get into it. What are your magic moments from this episode? I mean, we have to talk about Mayakovsky. <laughs> we do, yes. Because there's just so many great moments with him. <laughs> he, he just does such a great job of yelling at all these students and calling them out and being delightful. So mean and cruel, but in such a delightful way. Exactly. It's like, it's terrible, it's not okay, but it's also so funny. Yeah, yeah. So he, for example, uses vodka to wake Quentin up, <laughs> just spraying it on his yeah, face. And he starts by saying that he hates all of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Perfect he setting. He hates them because they're like parrots trying to recite Shakespeare. <laughs> he says that Katie is sultry, but damn it. Mm -hmm. And then just calls her that for the rest of the episode. I know. I want to know what his names for everyone else are. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> he, uh, he tells Quentin and Alice that it's appropriate to have their fate tied to the lowest form of life. <laughs> And then when Quentin does the nails into the board, then it says Dick. He says, possibly your first communicator. <laughs> yeah. And the actor does such a great job with it, even outside of the, the written words. Like mm -hmm. when Alice and Quentin are shoved outside into Antarctica, he just does this wave that like, I, as I was watching, I was like, that could be a magic spell of some sort, but it could also just be dismissal of yeah. just go get out it's both exactly yeah <laughs> yeah i do think it's cool how part of his hating these students is that he is so 
magically gifted and they are not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think that you actually see that because he doesn't need to do all of the same things that they need to do to do his magic. He does his magic silently and without all of the proper like hand forms and everything. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think it's it's cool because we haven't really seen that yet. Absolutely. Yeah. Although I suppose uh, I suppose that Marina did that when she teleported Julia out of the safe house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so interesting. I also just love in the montage of Penny traveling around to different places <laughs> and him coming back and being like, I think I was in Afghanistan. I think I saw a drone. I know. <laughs> It's like that that's some good dark humor. Yes. It's a, it's a great commentary on why he thought he was in Afghanistan exactly. because of what the US uh and other places were doing there. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and I've seen how all of them are interacting with Mayakovsky. I just wish that we could have a little snippet into when Margot and Elliot were oh, there. I know, right? <laughs> oh. That would be so delightful. I know, right? <laughs> I wish. Yeah. Uh, speaking of them, though, I also just had a couple moments where Margot's delivery was just so great, so on point. <laughs> uh, when they found out that the djinn just read her thoughts, she just goes, that's rude. rude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so well. And then when she talks about how he interpreted her wish mm-hmm. just her so literal it's just, <laughs> she loves yeah it. and she just she just eats up the <laughs> the script like such a great job with these these lines to again make margot someone who is often doing really selfish and like amoral things but <laughs> is delightful to watch while she does it yes but what about you what magic moments did you have I mean, I I feel like it needs to be said that everyone looks not great in their Breakville South long underwear, and then there's Penny. Of course. You know. As usual. It'll it'll just be a recurring little moment to to mention and and draw attention to. But I also really appreciated that we got a little bit of Julia's family history, Mm. because we're very clear on... Quentin and where some of his pain comes from, right? And we've gotten a little snippet into Elliot's Mm -hmm. and Alice's. And so to finally, after several episodes now of another person who is like the lead in that alternative storyline that's not Break Bills, to finally get uh, more information that her dad had an alcohol addiction and her mom is this elite met board member Mm -hmm. and is doing i guess good things maybe on the outside with something about like oh that she's trying to close on a new co-op or like i don't know exactly what all of that means but it's like she's doing these things that in the the public eye might be seen as philanthropy or or whatnot but the fact that neither one of her kids questions the idea that she would use connections that she has with judges that she goes to the opera with, you know, Mm -hmm. to commit Julia into some sort of psychiatric hospital or something like that. Uh, And it sounds like that's what she did to Julia's dad as well. Um, It's just like, oof, 
you understand where her her pain is coming from, which I think is important to show, especially for people who are in a lot of other ways raised with fairly privileged lives, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that oftentimes that amount of privilege comes with someone who is willing to use power to get what they want and doesn't always care for the needs or wants of others. Yeah, yeah, I can. And the other thing I just kind of noticed this time watching was a, a kind of interesting parallel between Margot and Mayakovsky hmm. because both of them are annoyed at the lack of concentration Mm. that people that are around them are supposed to be having to to do something educational well i mean sure their magic gin was not (laughs) for an educational purpose but it was like having to use research and and they're learning to do it and both of them are annoyed and tell people just bang already like just get this over with so now that you can concentrate and both of them are kind of mean to their subordinates mm-hmm. around them uh, with obviously all the things we talked about with Mayakovsky, but also with Margot and, and Todd now standing in saying that Todd was more helpful than you. And then he's like happy and he's, she's like, no, don't like, I'm just using you for effect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, I just th- I thought it was kind of interesting that both of them were the people even if in their not healthy ways are are the ones kind of in a leadership role in the circumstances that are annoyed with the people around them that are either incompetent or aren't trying as hard as they should be where magic is concerned. Totally, yeah. It reminds me of when she took the lead for Welters as well mm-hmm. and similarly was very much being the leader of that team and just having very little patience for people who don't take things seriously when she thinks it needs to be taken seriously. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's it's kind of great character planning for the future of her character mm-hmm. that the writers were already putting in here, that we'll see some of her patterns as we continue on. Yeah. But why don't we go into our next section, which is setting and society. I mean, I just want to talk about Break Bill South because <laughs> it is such a contrast to... Break bills proper. Yeah. You know, you mentioned color palettes, and and I think that here the lighting is so pale. It just makes everything feel so bleak. And yeah, I think that you you highlight how Mayakovsky starts by saying, I hate you all, Mm -hmm. as just, this is a place where you are going to get no comfort. This is a place where you are here to learn. And I find that really interesting. He also shows how he can be a jerk in ways that are, like, actually really problematic. Because when he calls out Katie, he says that she's destined to sell oranges, which to me felt Mm. very much... Racist? Racist, yeah, triggered based off of her, her as a Latina. And so, like, it was a way of, again, at times he can be delightful, but also he can be just awful. And he has no compunctions about typical social etiquette or magical etiquette, where he says that we're going to start working on how to control minds. And everyone's like, isn't that wrong? And he says, no, it's, this is what magic's all about. It's about control. 
when he mentions how he gets into Katie's thoughts when she brings her wards down for Penny, mm-hmm. which must mean he's constantly checking all of their thoughts all of the time. <laughs> Again, something that is invasive, and he has little patience with those kinds of traditional ideas of what isn't is not appropriate. I mean, maybe, because I don't think Penny is checking Quentin's mind. It just leaks into his. True, yeah. I see Mayakovsky, though, as he being He might have more control over yeah. it. I, I don't know, but yeah. And so I find it really interesting how Mayakovsky is really breaking them down in many ways. He, he removes their voice mm-hmm. for the first half of the episode or so, making it so that they cannot communicate in the ways they typically do, which not only robs them of their communication, but also of their traditional use of magic. Yeah, I just find it a interesting new setting for Quentin and for the others to have everything they've learned in the first six episodes kind of taken away from them and broken down in many ways. Then at the end of the episode, Quentin says, you know, you really are a great teacher. And I was kind of struggling with that mm-hmm. as an educator like, myself. <laughs> yeah. I guess it depends on what you think of as a teacher, because his methods are effective at teaching you new ways of engaging with magic, of breaking down your perspectives on how you view the world and how you view magic and your assumptions that you make about how magic is done and... I think that can be a a great thing for educators to do, to help people to challenge their own beliefs and to create new conclusions and to go deeper into things that they felt more comfortable in. But I would also say that a good teacher and a good educator needs to be doing that for as many students as they possibly can. And that's not what Mayakovsky's doing, (laughs) you know, in the same way that the trials that they did in the last episode was a way of weeding people out. I feel like Breakville South is a way of weeding people out too. Of Some people are going to be able to benefit from this, but it has to be a trial by fire first, and people are going to be purposefully torn apart to the extent that some won't be able to take advantage of this new perspectives, this new knowledge, this you know new ways of, of doing magic. And so... Yeah, I don't think that he's a very good teacher generally. I think that he was helpful for Quentin and for Penny, but I don't think that as a whole, if you look at Brickville South for all of the first years who are there, (laughs) who we only see most of them in, in flashes, they aren't even there in the orientation. It's just the four main characters. For them, I doubt that they would see Mayakovsky's education ability in the same way. Well, yeah, and is it really teaching to just take certain things away so they have to lean into a new way of doing something or is that just putting barriers so that they have to work around it i don't know i mean granted in the books they're there for a whole semester and so you know there's a longer period of time and whatnot here maybe it's supposed to be the same thing they don't really give any indication of time yeah it seems like a week or so to me because (laughs) it sounds like it's the same amount of time that Margot and Elliot are going to go, go on, on this, this vacation. vacation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So it would be more difficult. But I mean, I think maybe he was helpful for Penny specifically because he really is one of the first people that's actually encouraged him to use his traveling mm-hmm. instead of tried to scare him out of doing things or scare him so that he 
learns well enough or whatnot. He was encouraging him out of that fear to embrace his abilities and keep trying. Again, I don't know how much theory he gave him, but uh, in terms of what Penny needed, I think he did provide that for him. Absolutely. And even with Katie, having someone who's an authority figure who's also going to speak truth to her Mm -hmm. and who cares more about her well-being and the well-being of Penny than about the rules that Break Bills has or whatever Mm -hmm. else it might be going on. Like, that is, I think, something that we haven't seen with other educators at Break Bills. And that for Katie, I think, is really important. Yeah, that's the odd thing. I think for Penny and Katie, he actually provides, not in the typical way we think of emotional support, but he uh, provides actual support for them Mm -hmm. in ways that they haven't gotten it at Break Bills or Break Bills North, I don't know what they call it. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, in terms of theory and teaching, we don't see that as much. Maybe he is providing that and they just didn't want to show that because it's a bunch of magical jargon they have to make. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But, um... I think the main thing for him is that he pushes people and then maybe the best part of him as an educator is the fact that he can identify what different students need and then push them in that way. Yeah, he's able to see what's standing in students' way Mm -hmm. really, really well. He's he's very insightful. Mm -hmm. But also me. But also me. (laughs) (laughs) What what did you want to talk about for setting in society? Yeah, so just briefly, let's talk about mind control on bugs. Mm-hmm. Because Alice is like, we're taught not to control sentient creatures. And Mykowski's just like, what did you eat for lunch today? How much free will was exerted by the cow? Mm-hmm. You know, and I just kind of love that as somebody who's probably 98% vegan. Uh, (laughs) I uh, appreciate that because, yeah, people all the time, especially in sci-fi sort of things or things with other powers, like to bring up these questions about, oh, how is it ethical to treat other sentient beings in these certain ways? And just do whatever you want with them because you can. And so he's calling calling her out on, oh, so you're fine with eating a cow that was tortured for years until it was slaughtered for you to enjoy a meal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're not okay with making a bug do a certain thing, you know. Yeah. I wouldn't be okay with any of it, really, except if it was spiders and getting them away from me <laughs> so that I don't need to kill them because I don't like them. <laughs> but uh, How racist. <laughs> it's not racist, it's speciesist. <laughs> um, I found amusement yeah. out of that moment. And yeah, but his message is not... Don't do, do it at all. At all. Yeah. No, it's... no, he doesn't care. He's just like, you're being hypocritical. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. He's like, I will control you if I want to. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Another thing, just societally, I think it's really interesting and really cool that Katie was able to drop her awards. So she didn't have to explain mm. the whole story to Penny. My mind went off on 
That could be so cool if you had psychics who were therapists for things that are really difficult to talk about or traumatic or something. If you could just like let somebody who's trained to help you like into that instead of having to vocalize it or sign it or or however you're communicating it. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I just was like, oh, that's a a cool element to the world. Obviously, it shows how dangerous it can be, too, because if you don't have your wards up, then people can have a bunch of invasive information about you. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just just a cool thing. And then I really appreciated that the djinn was a djinn, <laughs> and that was the word that was used rather than genie. I mean, they explained that, oh, it's a genie because most people in the West are not going to know what they're talking about, Mm -hmm. but the fact that it's an actual Arab actor who speaks Arabic, who is playing this character, uh, even if that was a very small character, uh, yeah, I I just appreciated that there was some cultural competence there. Uh, Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would have known that word, but that's just because when I was young, I watched the movie Kazam. Oh, no. Where Shaquille O'Neal plays a genie. And in that movie, they say that genies can do material wishes and jinn are elevated. They can also do ethereal wishes. Oh, and that see. was the big difference. And at the end of the movie, Kazam gets upgraded to being ethereal at some point. He also was a, a genie in a boombox rather than in a magic lamp because he was also rapping throughout the movie. I haven't seen it in years, but I'm pretty certain it's an awful movie. I never saw it because it always looked real, real bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do still have the soundtrack on CD around here somewhere, but yeah. Oh, joy. Oh, joy, yes, exactly. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, because I studied uh, history in undergrad, but took a lot of classes in Middle Eastern history, mm -hmm. I was familiar with Jen. I was like, oh, that's that's great, because at first, just because Elliot overheard people talking about it, he assumed it was... G-I-N, exactly. alcohol, yeah. but I'm like, yay. Yeah, I remember even the first time watching, <laughs> hearing gin and being like, you sure it's but not gin? It? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very good. And yeah, d- just the last thing is that in the society that we've been talking about, and this is a continuation of the reality that break bills is very exclusive and very, as Mayakovsky says, unforgiving. Mm-hmm he says that their punishment would be severe. And so, yeah, I just, I like that they're carrying that through uh, and setting the stage that this institution, and, and we'll see some other institutions later, but this one at least is, yeah, very, very unforgiving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, if they know the whole story and they wouldn't care that Katie was doing these things so that her mom wouldn't be murdered... Yeah, that's... Love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, why don't we go into our next section, which is themes and schemes. Yeah, so I definitely saw a parallel between Mayakovsky and Julia's sister. Hmm. In the ways that they were trying to help through the telling of hard truths. Both of them are confronting people who don't entirely want their help but who need to overcome certain kinds of barriers that are in front of them. And 
I find it interesting how both of them have this kind of no BS mentality where they are really forcing many of the main characters to confront some of the things they've been grappling with. For Penny, his fear over traveling. For Katie, the repercussions of her actions. You know, for Julia, her addiction and irresponsible choices. And I appreciate it because I think it's a more realistic engagement with the kinds of issues that people have. It's encouraging them to admit that they have a problem, right? In, they, in addiction, they say, you know, admitting you have a problem is the first step. But getting better from something is hard work. And having to confront what those problems are is really difficult. And many people find it easy to get stuck in a rut, certainly something that I've experienced, um, where you kind of redo the same patterns even as you are frustrated with the outcomes of those. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, Quentin's depression, I think is a good example of this too. You know, these are the kinds of cycles that I've certainly find very familiar. And so I think it was very intentional for this episode to have those two storylines happening in parallel in that way. Mm -hmm. Even though Julia doesn't see a lot of narrative forward movement in this episode, I think that having her facing a lot of the same kinds of challenges the other characters are was just a really interesting kind of thematic focus for the episode. Mm -hmm. The other thing I want to talk about was Mayakovsky's question of, are you the controller or the controlled? And how I think that for him, that kind of is a core element to his philosophy and the world, both in how he sees magic and in how he sees interpersonal relationships. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because it's kind of this new take on agency, where for Mayakovsky, agency is crucially important. But for all actions, if you're going to exert your agency, in some ways that might be taking away the agencies of others. Because you are controlling a situation. You are controlling that person. You are controlling yourself, whatever it might be. By exerting that agency, I think Mayakovsky sees it as you are ensuring that you're not the controlled, but the controller. It's not the way I see the world, certainly, mm -hmm. but in a world where magic is a thing and is itself hard to entirely parse, has many mysteries and secrets and things like that, uh, I think it's an interesting perspective for the characters to encounter. Yeah, are you going to be able to control your magic, but also control yourself and to control things around you, to con control the things in your life, or will you be controlled by them? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the hard thing too. Like, I, I, don't, I don't entirely agree with the philosophy, but I also don't entirely not. Mm -hmm. Because when we think about capitalism, mm -hmm. right, anytime that we're exerting our agency to choose material things from whatever we want, that comes at the cost of somebody else's agency that made that product, that mined the materials, that planted the food, or harvested it, or, or all of these different things, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and most of the time, those are coming from situations where people are being exploited. 
or enslaved in, in, in modern day slavery situations. And so uh, in that sense, like I kind of like get what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. There, there's certainly a lot of truth to this perspective. I guess for me, the way that I feel challenged by it or where I don't entirely feel on board with it is the implicit understanding that, well, then being the controller is, is better. better. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, th- that's that's the... Being the controller is better is usually the perspective of the privilege. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Which is the, the part of the problem of the entire setup of mm-hmm. the world. Yeah. And now that our characters have magic, they are privileged in a way that the vast mm-hmm. majority of the world is not. And... Yeah, like we've been talking about what life outside of Brigville's might be, they have important choices ahead of them of how they're going to use that privilege, how they will control the world around them, because they have the ability to do that in ways that most don't. And maybe Brigville's would say, well, because you are skilled enough, because you are diligent enough, because you have succeeded to this degree, you've earned that right. Mm Mm-hmm. But, and because you've been chosen. Uh, well, of course. Right, but, but yes. Because you've studied with us. Exactly. <laughs> but obviously that's a really problematic, disturbing perspective. And then that's shown even more as we think about, okay, both Julia and now Katie are out of these systems. Mm-hmm. They've been kicked out. And so does that mean because... Quentin's managed to stay in, even if he's maybe less talented than both Julia and Katie, that he, because he's able to learn more magic or more advanced magic at Brickbells, that now he has the right to control them. We would say absolutely not. That's horrifying. Right. But um, I, I don't know what Brickbells would say. I don't know what Mayakovsky would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just definitely, I think the, the theme of control is really interesting in this episode mm-hmm. of how... Mayakovsky controls, again, how they're able to communicate or not communicate and how they're able to do magic and so much else, how they dress. You know, all of these things are not choices they make. And so Mayakovsky is very much exerting his control throughout the episode. Yeah, I just I think that it brings up some interesting questions. Absolutely. And a part of it, too, I wonder about is like how much of his perspective on this comes from the situation that he's in. The fact that he is here stuck at Brickville South. So like he doesn't have the freedom that other people have. Mm -hmm. And so the ways that he can control others, then he does exert that maybe out of bitterness as well, out, out of hatred. And then when he talks to Penny, he's he's just like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. You are free. You're more free than almost anyone in the entire universe. Don't chain yourself down. You exactly. Know? Yeah. yeah. And for him, it's, it's something that's natural mm-hmm. to be free and to use your freedom and your gifts. Because yeah. he says, not traveling is like telling an eagle to fear heights. Like... You can't fear something that is a part of you. You need to control it. Well, yeah, and that, that's an interesting part to like think in the other direction of not controlling others, but controlling yourself. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, Penny needs to learn if he's not to die. And others probably need to learn as, as we'll continue on. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? What are your themes and schemes? I think one of the themes that 
follows what we were talking about a few episodes ago about magic costing something is interesting now put into the context of what Mayakovsky says that a great magician is magic mm. in their blood, their bones, etc. Lady parts. <laughs> <laughs> no, Mayakovsky. <laughs> and so if you are magic, and then what Fogg was saying before, the magicians, the chisel and the marble, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so thinking about this in a very embodied way of the actions that they're doing and so yeah i just i kind of want to think more about that as we continue on and putting that also with why foxes that the fox has everything that they need to survive and be happy and possibly very ironically (laughs) the magicians have everything that they need to survive and be happy Mm -hmm. but part of their power comes from how unhappy they are Mm -hmm. they have what they need to do it but maybe they still can't manage yeah and the other thing that i just really liked was when mykovsky's talking to katie about the, the whole situation she's in and she's like what am i supposed to do And he says, what we all do each moment, decide. Mm. Yeah, I just, I really like that. Again, in in this very embodied way of thinking about our actions and who we are, is that every moment we're making decisions. And yeah, that is part of the agency that we exert. We are inseparable from those decisions. I think that's a cool theme. Yeah, agreed. That's such a great quote. I forgot about that. It makes me think about, you know, one of the other Fog quotes of how the study of magic is all about attaining power. And Mayakovsky has obtained quite a bit of power. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder what he sees as that. If, if he's so focused on being the controller, you know, it seems like it's less about the power, but he almost seems like he actually does have a more academic perspective of it's about becoming magic and learning more about magic and using magic in new ways more than it is about becoming powerful Mm -hmm. and that's where part of the control comes in because in order to be able to do it without turning into a niffin yeah yeah really good point where all that's left is the magic maybe mayakovsky would say no, that's that's me too, but I just am able to control it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Maybe he would be like, no, my bones and my blood and my skin are also magic. Those aren't separate from magic in a way that they would be burned away. Mm-hmm. And only the magic would remain. He's like, no, these are magic too. Yeah, they're magic and. Mm-hmm. Magic and me. <laughs> Well, why don't we go into our From Another Point of View section. So whose perspective are you really stepping into this episode? I was thinking a lot about Quentin's perspective in this episode. Mm. Because he has a particularly bad time at Break Bill South. But he also has... A particularly good time at Break Bill South? (laughs) Yeah, that too. But he, he grows, I think, in important ways. Or he starts to confront things in important ways in this episode too. Definitely, there is a big part of me that, like, him and Alice, just seeing him be awkward, I felt very much 
I could resonate with. <laughs> I found it really interesting how, yeah, like, he at one point touches her boob and then is like, oh, I'm so, so sorry. And they're obviously pretty flirty throughout. And, and I find it really interesting how their flirtation kind of reaches another level when they can't speak to each yeah. other. It's a benefit in Quentin's case. Exactly. Or if it kind of seems that way, you know, yeah. that their flirting is a little bit more honest than it might otherwise be because he's not able to second guess exactly what he says the same ways. At least that's kind of how I often think about conversations. Well, you're paying more attention to body language mm-hmm. and implications and things like that rather than the words that people are saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I particularly found it really interesting and, and I kind of wanted to, to parse the moment where Quentin mimes shooting himself mm-hmm. as they are trying to do the nailing spell. Is they're trying to nail each other? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah, that that was pretty on the nose too, showrunners. Because, yeah, as Quentin is someone who has struggled with suicidal ideation or self-harm ideation and chronic depression or dysthymia or, or, you know, the things that we've seen so far, for him to make that as a joke, I think is very interesting because it could be he's actually being honest in a way, but also making a joke about it. Yeah. And that in of itself is a new kind of vulnerability. You know, humor is itself a kind of defense mechanism, but... I know certainly with people that I felt comfortable with, I've made similar comments that I would only make with people who I really trust or who I think would actually know the nuances of my experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just became, I think, a moment that I was interested in thinking about what, what Quentin was or was not thinking in why he, he made that choice. Yeah, I mean, it's the type of thing that bugs me when people do in real life or in things like if they've never struggled with depression or suicidal ideation because it's like no don't make fun about something that's serious and people really can be miserable people really can want this and actually choose it or attempt it you know totally Uh, but when people who actually this is more of their lived life of thinking about these things or wanting these things at certain points in time, uh, then that's coming with some personal experience and knowledge rather than just kind of flippantly something you don't understand that you're like making fun of for some reason. Uh, So yeah, it didn't really bother me that he did that, but yeah, it is interesting because yeah, I think sometimes people can joke about things that uh, like who are a part of a community that experiences it rather than uh, other people outside that community making jokes about it. Mm. Uh, like, I, I might joke about something about my own fatigue or, or pain or whatever, but someone else can't joke about that, you know? Absolutely. And I can joke about it myself, so, you know. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing that I was really thinking about with Quentin this episode, you know, thinking about that theme of control is how Quentin seems to really get a lot out of becoming an animal. First as a geese at the beginning of the episode, you can kind of see him talking about, you know, I I was the heir. And then 
talking to Mayakovsky about why they became foxes, he says that the fox just knows how to survive and how to be happy. It knows what to do. And I think that for him, that is one of his biggest challenges, is just knowing what to do with his life, knowing how to be happy and what he's supposed to do to get there uh, is something that, that seems to have escaped him for a very long time. And that, as we've seen, magic is not just solving on its own, but he still has to grapple with. So I almost feel like there's an aspect of escapism that Absolutely. he's doing in becoming these animals, that he feels like he can't control his own brain chemistry or his own life in certain ways. And so turning into a form where he doesn't have those same kinds of questions is a benefit for him, is something that is powerful and that really resonates with him in important ways. And yeah, you know, we have a podcast about nerdy series. Like, I am familiar with escapism uh, <laughs> yeah. as a way of, of trying to, you know, cope with difficult things. And so, yeah, I can just kind of really imagine for Quentin this kind of balance of feeling like, oh, I found something that finally makes me feel the way that I think I'm supposed to feel with the understanding that he also has to lose himself to get there mm -hmm. and how difficult that can be. You know, I mean, that reminds me of the ideas of using substances or abusing substances as a way of escape because you lose your sober self and have things changed or simplified or, or you know, affected in, in a way because of that substance that maybe makes things better while you are being affected. Uh, or maybe changes those things in ways that, that, yeah, give you access to something that you struggle to find on your own. So, yeah, I just, I find Quentin's uh, perspective here, particularly after the last episode, when he talked about how much he hates himself. Mm -hmm. For him to find the ability to be not himself and to find security and happiness in that, um... I could just imagine it being both refreshing and frightening mm -hmm. because of how powerful that must be for him. Yeah, it's interesting. Earlier in the episode, this episode, you said that you thought that he grew or changed with his time in Breakville South. But I actually wonder if that's true. Because, yeah, I, I kind of think about him being these animals and feeling happy because things are simpler and he just knows what to do and he has certain instincts and acts on them and, and doesn't have to analyze them, doesn't have to second guess, doesn't have to, as Mayakovsky said, decide mm -hmm. uh, in, in the same way that this is just another way that he's running away. Mm. That was his truest self. That was his biggest internal circumstance, right? In in that final trial in mm -hmm. the previous episode that he admitted to that he's always running away and he can't run away hard enough. And Julia called him on that. And 
And this is, I think, just another form of that, that he can be happy like that, but that's, yeah, escapism, like you said. And when he goes back, well, you know, we'll see what happens, but and maybe he can be happy. It's like, oh, a new relationship or this or that, but like that doesn't fix his problems. Mm-hmm. He's still going to carry any of his problems with him and his depression with him, even if temporarily it's alleviated. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. I know. These are things that I call you on, so. (laughs) Let's escape this conversation uh, and go into your perspective. Whose POV did you want to talk about? So, last episode I talked about Katie, but I want to talk about her again. Because I was just really sitting with her in this episode. Because I think she was one of the people that was going through the most. Mm. uh, If not the most. Because... First she gets there, and this was directly after revealing that she's been lying to Penny and has hurt him, and he doesn't want to talk mm-hmm. when she tries to. And then their voices are taken away by Mayakovsky, so she they can't even talk about what's happened. And so she tries to find another way to show that she cares, and that... The care was genuine, even if she lied about these other things. And she does so by giving him a chocolate bar. And then when they finally are able to talk, she lets her warts down. And and the vulnerability of that action is, I think, really impressive. Because in some ways, it's easier not to have to vocalize everything and Mm -hmm. find the right words to try to express something but in another way it's taking away your control of the situation taking away your ability to craft the narrative with words like how you want to in explaining a situation it's just like letting him in to see your experiences or feel i'm not sure how how much that psychic ability um is able to access the feelings as well and in that vulnerability, which is maybe the most vulnerable she's been with anyone, she's able to actually be happy for a little bit of time <laughs> with Penny and has these hopes that maybe they can buy her way out from Marina's control. Only for those hopes to be dashed quite quickly. And not only have Mayakovsky catch her trying to steal this thing, which would be the only bartering chip that she has to try to get out from Marina. But not just that, but also to be told that your mother is dead. Yeah. And not only that, (laughs) but also that Breakbills knows now. Mm -hmm. And... You have to either take whatever their punishment is, which is probably your memory being erased, if not, who knows, anything more than that. Yeah. Or leave break bills. And if she takes the only person with her who's still alive that she loves, the only other person she loved was her mom and she's dead, then she's endangering him or or enabling him to endanger his own life. Mm Mm-hmm. So just losing everything in a matter of an hour yeah. of 
the happiness that you have and the closeness with this person, the hopes that maybe you can get out and live a different life than the life that you've had to suffer with thus far to the person that you were doing all of this for, your mother who you love and have a fraught relationship with is now dead. That can never change. The last interactions that you had with her weren't happy and now you're going to be kicked out or your memory is going to be erased or you can leave this person, hurt them yet again and be on your own. Yeah, just how distressing that would be. I understand why she doesn't know what to do and why she asked this person that she doesn't even know well, that isn't even nice to her, as he said, is racist to her because she she doesn't know what to do and she has to decide so quickly and all she can manage to do because she can't explain it all and she doesn't want Penny to leave and go after her if he thinks that, oh, well, this is the situation. I'll go help, you know. Uh, so all she can write is forgive me. Yeah, I was just really thinking about the loneliness and the isolation and the distress that she was going through and the grief of not only losing her mother, but now losing Penny in a way too. But also asking this person because even though you didn't ask them to read your thoughts, Part of your vulnerability has been shown to them. And having at least a little bit of gratefulness that Mayakovsky gave her the choice instead of just turning her in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in the midst of all of the bad that just happened, this little tiny bit of support and her, yeah, her, her, her agency to choose. Yeah. We really see how Katie has so often been put in those positions where she has to choose and she has to choose to sacrifice for the people who she cares about Mm -hmm. and how she steps up to do it. And she's not necessarily happy about it, Mm -hmm. but she does do it because sure, she may only care about two people, but she cares about them actively and passionately and powerfully. And more than herself. Exactly, yeah. Which I think is what makes her such a, a strong character and such a compelling one. And it is just so tragic to watch as, yeah, she loses so much so quickly mm-hmm. and is forced to deal with that on her own. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just... <laughs> Not not to minimize Quentin's depression. Depression is real, and especially, you know, when it's chronic and it's just chemicals in your brain that aren't working well for your body. So not to minimize that, but it's just like Quentin is so, in this episode, is so focused on, like, his own experiences and his own happiness and things that he wants and then you have that juxtaposed to Katie who is dealing with these extreme tragic horrible circumstances yeah it's just uh even though Quentin is thus far been kind of the main protagonist I yeah I'm, I'm very glad to 
try to sit with some of these other characters that are going through a lot. Mm-hmm. N- not to say that you shouldn't bring him as your POV, no, I mean, because those are obviously yeah, these characters mirror us in some ways. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> <laughs> not exactly. <laughs> Probably more uh, Julia without the destructive phase. Yes. But yeah, why don't we move into revisiting the title of this episode before we close out. So the Mykowski circumstance, what do you think? Yeah, I I don't totally get the circumstance element (laughs) of it. I mean, obviously, you need to have Mykowski in that title. Yes. But yeah, no one says this. You've heard a little bit about circumstances already, but, you know, I don't think that we've seen how that applies here. Maybe I just don't get it because I'm not magical, but, like, (laughs) it just, it doesn't seem like the best word for it Mm -hmm. for me. But, yeah, otherwise it's it's fine. I like it because it's funny, (laughs) like, the Mayakovsky circumstances, because they were just talking about, like, the highest governing principle for your magic in the last episode with their trial and, Mm -hmm. you know, having to find out what that is internally and with Welters having to cast for different circumstances. And it's like, Mayakovsky is a circumstance in and of himself. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe just the slow ones like me need, need things spelled out a little bit more. (laughs) <laughs> it's okay. I, Julie, am here to help you, Quentin. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> okay, well, what's happening next time on The Magicians? We're going to be watching episode eight, The Strangled Heart, where Penny propositions a teacher. I mean, who would say no? <laughs> a very strong teacher. <laughs> okay, well, thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of Geek Between the Lines. You can find links to our website, our social media, and our Patreon in the episode description. And we hope that you'll join us on Patreon to get access to all the special bonus content we're making. We want to thank Kimberly Kuniko at Lacelet for designing our logo. You can find our designs at lacelet.com, Instagram, or Patreon. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week. Until then, geek out! out.